Welcome to Avatar The Last Korra. I'm David. And I'm Hannah. Avatar State. Yep, yep. Yep, it's our second to last <laughs> episode uh, of this podcast where we cover... We're getting into the end zone. <laughs> Touchdown. What are you talking about, end zone? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're talking about... Uh, Katara's last Katara-centric episode, and uh, the Ember Island Players, our little retrospective flashback episode, and then the two, you know... Penultimate uh, episodes of Korra. Right. They're very continuity-driven and, and really setting up that final conflict, I suppose. So yeah. it's going to be heavy on the comedy in the first half and heavy on the drama, drama in the second. Yeah, which you know, I think that's that's probably the the best way to to make it flow. Right. Although um, Katara's episode, the Southern Raiders, is pretty drama as well, so it's a little bit of true. a bookend situation. Yeah. Well, so why don't we just jump right in? Um, so, episode sixteen of season three of Avatar, uh, the Southern Raiders. We Katara gets her turn to take a little field trip with Zuko. Right. Um, and it's a revenge story. It's all about revenge. Right. I mean, I think, you know, this season's all about wrapping up people's character arcs. I think that, uh, you know, Sokka's character arc was wrapped up pretty solidly last episode. Um, you know, yeah. it was about him balancing, you know, his instincts versus his plan making side, mm -hmm. which, and, and also about him, you know, rescuing his father, who he blames himself for you know, getting captured because of one of his failed plans. So, you know, his arc is wrapped up. Aang's still got his arc to wrap up. Uh, Toph's was probably wrapped up in Runaway, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, probably. Like, Toph is a character, once she kind of invents metal bending, is like... I'm good. I'm just here for some sassy. Uh, well, that's like how shit. powerful she gets. But as far as like her yeah. character issues, it's like mostly with her parents. But I think she kind of yeah. resolves that by fixing her relationship with, with Katara. Katara back in yeah. the Runaway. Um, right. So now we but we got to take care of Katara because she's got issues. <laughs> which she's we, got a lot of issues. Which we you know sort of touched on in in the the opener of this season, uh, the Awakening, when she sort of yells at her dad for abandoning her but you know that's all part of her issues with her mother uh being dead <laughs> <laughs> right and you know just like her her complicated experiences with Zuko and you know her need to protect people um you know it, it all sort of stems from a similar root Right. Um, and especially right now, when Katara remains sort of the most skeptical about Zuko, um, and just, like, straight-up aggressive <laughs> towards him quite a few times throughout this episode, especially in the beginning, um, you know, and, and sort of resents the fact that everyone else is sort of able to forgive him for uh, his crimes in the past. Right. Um, the episode picks up, I assume, like, a day after Boiling Rock, uh, where they're immediately discovered by uh, Azula in a bunch of uh, airships who've tracked them to the Western Air Temple. 
Yeah, and it's great. The The writers do their favorite thing where they figure out how to separate the gang from all of these extra side separate characters the they've wheat, tipped up. The wheat from the chaff, as we say. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we've definitely got some chaff, so uh, yeah. let's see. Who do we lose? We lose uh, uh, the Duke. Uh, Haru. Haru. Teo. Teo and Papa, and also... Uh, Papa Hakoda. Yeah, Hakoda, and 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 also the um, the weird the other... prisoners who escaped. With right. Them. Yeah, they they all escape through a tunnel, but Appa won't go in a tunnel, and so Saka takes Suki and the rest of the gang hop on uh, Appa and have to dodge fireballs while Zuko fights Azula. Um, and it's a pretty good fight. Yeah, it's, we've it's got, pretty fun. We've got They're flying three... around three distinct moments where a character just falls into, like, the clouds and you think they're dead. Um, but then they're not. But then they're not. Uh, I don't even really know how uh, Zuko survives the first one. but Yeah, I guess he lands on another ship that was still coming up. Right, so we just couldn't see through the clouds. It's a nice fake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, you can see in this episode that uh, Azula and Zuko are, like, somewhat evenly matched. Like, they're pretty close to one another in terms of skill. Um, right. Which will pay off, you know, in the finale. Down the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We see the second so instance basically... of, of firebending being used as, like, a rocket back yes in this one yes, and again it. it's not to literally launch you into the sky but it's just kind of like to propel you a little bit in your descent into a wall so that you can catch the wall with your feminine wall catching hair clip <laughs> um which should be a trope if it's not uh, yeah i like apparently it. all hair clips and pins can be used to just like grind into any wall to stop you from falling to your death God, if only. Those things are always the flimsiest pieces of shit. Right, but not in cartoons. <laughs> not in cartoons. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so Azula doesn't die, uh, and Zuko is sad. Then they go to a camp, and, you know, they're all like, Ah, it's old times! <laughs> <laughs> Remember right now when it was old times? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and basically Katara's like, old times suck, F fuck you Zuko, and like, storms off. Right, well he's, she just continues to bring up Zuko's checkered past, which, you know, it's yeah. impolite, I mean, come on. Bring yeah. up somebody's checkered um, past. I have to say, I think this is, this is the episode where, um, the animation just gets like, great from here through the end. Um, like, starting with this episode? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's been much higher quality this whole season. Um, I mean, for sure. But, but I don't it's know. There's definitely, a... It's definitely choice right here. Absolute yeah. choice. But, like, next episode, it's not going to be as great. But then the finale right. is, like, the big... But here's where the money went, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, like, there's, everyone is so expressive, and, like, all the bending looks cool as shit. Um, and, you know, it's like, what else do you want? Um, so basically, uh, Zuko goes to talk to Sokka, because he's like, your sister's got issues. <laughs> but Sokka has set up a love tent. <laughs> 
Well, for, <laughs> for first Suki. He, first, he, he confronts Katara directly, right? Oh, I yeah. I think that's important, that he, like, goes directly yes. there and is like, hey, you know, everybody else is kind of trying to integrate me into the group, but, you know, you don't trust me. Is there anything I can do? And he's like, is there anything you can do? You can unconquer this sovereign nation. It's like, you're a war criminal. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, <laughs> this this whole episode is about forgiveness, right? Yes. And mercy and revenge and these things. So yes. this can be kind of tricky territory. And I feel like, like now especially we approach it with a sort of different uh, a different view in the way that our, our, our social expectations of media have changed when it comes to stories mm. about forgiveness. It used to be pretty accepted. Forgiveness is a universal positive, you know, Christian ethics, whatever, turn the other cheek, you know, to forgive is divine sure. kind of thing. But now we have a little bit more of a nuanced perspective on it, I think, and, and we expect our media to be that nuanced, would you say? Yeah, and I I don't know. I think that this this episode is certainly nuanced. A little bit, but I I think it was just sort of the start of that, and so it does lean heavily on the you know you should forgive. To forgive is an important part of like growth and an important part of getting over trauma, which is not always you know you don't always have to forgive people who do terrible things and who, right. who cause genuine harm and who you know haven't really learned from their mistakes. Right. Uh, um, but but I think that the this episode acknowledges that in a way. Right. Um, but so, yeah, basically, um, Sokka tells Zuko about um, when their mother died, basically, about the raid on their village. Um, and we get to see that flashback sort of for the first time. Um, and basically from that flashback, Zuko is able to figure out that it was the Southern Raiders. They were the fleet of Fire Nation soldiers who, um, And that's the only bit of information that we get from that flashback, right? It's just that they were the Southern Raiders, that this happened one time. Like, it's, it's interesting to me, the lack of efficiency of storytelling in this episode, I think it's done to good effect, but, like, I mean, think about it. The first part, the first, like, ten minutes of the episode is just this setup of getting them separated from the side characters and then reestablishing the stakes for uh, Katara and Zuko's relationship and then mm-hmm. doing this flashback. And then we get that same flashback two more times from two different perspectives by the end of the yeah. the episode. So, like... There's a real lack of economy of storytelling, but I think, I think that's the point. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, you know, like we see the the flashback from several different points of view. We start by seeing it from Sokka's point of view, then we see it from Katara's point of view, and then we finally see it from the uh, general's point of view. Right, but I, I mean, like. Don't you find that interesting, like, that Katara, even in, like, what is supposed to be, like, her own special episode, uh, the first part of it is just, you know, it's just a random fight scene that has nothing to do with her, and then her flashback is told three times, so really only, like, ten minutes is used for her actual revenge plot. That's true. It's definitely truncated a little bit but but it it for as much as 
what happens in this episode, it doesn't necessarily feel cluttered to me. Right. Um, I, I, it, I agree it, with that. I think that the pacing yeah. is spot on. It's just interesting that they only needed 10 minutes to do it. They didn't feel like the episode could use a, a B plot. They thought cutting away right. to something would be too jarring for something. So like we have one goal that we're trying to accomplish. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, so, and I think that's yeah. a good call, you know, like it's a pretty serious topic matter because um, basically once Zuko figures out that uh, it's the Southern Raiders, he waits for Katara and approaches her um, and is basically like, I know who killed your mom and I know how to find them. And so at that point, it just becomes single minded, totally focused on Katara trying to get revenge um, on this guy right. and and sort of the obstacles that she needs to overcome to do it. And so, first of all, we have um, Aang as the first obstacle to that. Right. And then he doesn't want to let them take Appa to go do a revenge mis- mission. Right, it's not uh, his style. Because, yeah. Um, and, and they actually have, I think it's a great conversation that they have um, about revenge and forgiveness and closure um and it, it's just like a three minute maybe less like conversation between uh ang saka uh zuko and katara and it's it's just it, like it feels so important you know well i think it's, it goes um, back to the strength of the show itself which is yeah. just understanding everyone's unique perspective their backgrounds and their characters. You know exactly before anyone even says anything. You know exactly how each person's going to respond to this issue. Right. Sokka's going and to be more don't... practical minded. He's going to say, you know, no, this isn't for you. You know, let's be rational here. Let's not be overly emotional. And Katara is going to be a wreck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Zuko is to... definitely down. He's for going revenge. to throw fuel on the fire, uh, so yeah. to speak. And, and Aang is going to be the eternal peacemaker, is just what he right. loves to do. Um, right, and um, I I like that at, at one point, um, Katara says, it's not about revenge, it's about getting closure and justice. And Aang is sort of like, no, I'm pretty sure it's about revenge, and like... Also, you sound a lot like Jet right now. And I, I love the fact that they bring that back up and, like, throw that in her face a little bit. Right. And it, she has to kind sort of, of defend herself. It kind of retroactively makes me like the episode Jet more. Um, <laughs> because it, it implies that, like, it wasn't just that Katara was attracted to Jet because he's a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Right? That maybe it had a little bit more to do with he had a different perspective on the war you know, a more get back at them in small, you know, petty ways uh, that that she was, you know, that she was interested in. That it wasn't just yeah, that he she was, liked he was hot, <laughs> right? She liked the revenge aspect. She just didn't like that it was against innocence, right? Because um, that's sort of her defense here is that you know, well, Jet was attacking innocent people, and I'm going after the guy who actually did the bad thing, right? Um, and then I I also like the the line that Aang says, which is, it's easy to do nothing, it's hard to forgive, which just made me think back to, like, um, to neutral Jing a little bit, yeah. you know, like, this idea of, like, waiting and listening and, like, 
being internal instead of external. I and like that connection. I think it makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it just sort of rang in a, a similar tone at that moment. Yeah, it's, it's um, a questioning so, of a sort of um, Western-centric view of, of justice. But even though it is, it's very Western in that it's very Christian, um, but not in the way that most Christians in real life can, you know, talk about justice. Uh, it's contesting a, a view of justice that's purely, um, you know, about penalty and, and punishment. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, so basically she and Zuko are so determined to go that they take Appa anyway, but Aang sort of gives her one last piece of advice, which is let your anger out and then let it go, um, which I think is some yeah. pretty decent advice in general. Sure. Um, um, so, you know, first, we, first we start... First obstacle overcome, yeah. now we go do some spy shit. We're, yeah, we're going, gotta break in. We're going totally spies. <laughs> <laughs> gotta break into an outpost and get some documents to find out where the raiders are right. and it's at whale tail island and they, back and they again dress up, they dress up like solid snake and it's it's great <laughs> uh yeah zuko's got like a great little face mask it's, yeah. it's pretty good um so they head to whale tail island and basically, Katara, like, single-handedly takes out half of this ship. Right. And just, like, boards it, and just they immediately break in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they break in, and they get, um, they, they find the captain, and Zuko's like, admit what you did! And he's like, I didn't do anything. I uh, just got this job. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they find out that the captain that they really want retired four years ago. Ah, just missed him. Right. Um, um, so but, then they, but they go immediately find, find him. out where he is and then just go there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. this scene is purely to show it, it's it's purely about like a misdirected revenge seeking, about misdirected anger. Um, right. Well, and and also, uh, we Katara bloodbends the captain. Right, exactly. Um, which, you know, like, we, she hated that she had learned bloodbending, but here we see that she was willing to use it in service to her revenge um, and her desire to potentially kill this guy who killed her mom. Right, again, she um, would say, well, it's that's not the problem. The problem is that uh, uh, Hama used it against innocent people, you know? Right. It's the same thing. Right. I mean, she is very attracted to these figures of you know, who who have suffered like she has at the hands of the Fire Nation and who seek revenge, but is then always confronted with her compassion for the innocent. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a really interesting... Uh, it's It dilemma. makes for an interesting character, too. Right, yeah. You know, it keeps her from being too one-note, um, yeah, which yeah. we'll talk about a little bit more in Ember Island Players. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um... But so, basically, they, they find the guy they're looking for, and he's on an island, and he's just, like, a poor old guy who's got, like, a terrible mom. Right. And... Like a like a generic, everybody loves Raymond, terrible mother yeah. character. Um, they Man, basically, like, yeah, they just stalk him around the island, and then he tries to get them, but he shoots a bush, and they weren't in the bush, and then he trips, and then they're there. They're really and there, because they're stealthy. Then Katara, 
yeah, does some cool fucking water bending and stops all of the rain that's happening and mm-hmm. creates like a rain force field bubble. Well, f- first we have Turns- our, our final version of the flashback, which we show. Yes. Which, you know, it's, she, she confronts the dude and, and she's like, um, do you remember me? Look me in the eyes. And it's like, because <laughs> she has very distinctive eyes, I guess. She, he just And remembers. so did this guy. Because that's how she recognizes him, kind of. Right, yeah. It's it's the very anime thing of, like, I s- the look in their eyes. Immediately right. recognizable. Um, but, uh, yeah, he does remember her. And he's like, I was there to kill the last waterbender because there was only one left. <laughs> and your mom told me that was her, so I killed her. So uh, I killed just, her. Just doing my job. Um yeah. Which, you know, then there's the real dramatic line read. The one that everyone remembers. <laughs> you gonna do it, David? So why even recap? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you do it? <laughs> I don't... I didn't write it down. I don't Oh, no, it's just like, it. you know, you're wrong. You didn't kill the last waterbender. She was lying to protect the last waterbender. And then he's like, who... Me! It was me the whole time! It was me the whole time! Well, I just, I think it is kind of like a weird line in retrospect, because he, he said, she's like, she was protecting the last waterbender, and he's like, who? And it's like, well, why would you ask that? You don't know their names. Like, right, exactly. The only answer that it could be is that it's me. Right, or like, why would she bring it up unless... You know, it was gonna be her. Right. Well, I mean, it just—it's just like, what if, what if she had said it was my cousin Stephen? Like, it'd be weird. Right. There's no stakes. Uh, but it was her, and then she turns all the rain into ice and shoots it at him. But then she stops just before it hits him. Right. Because he's and just so it, pathetic, and he even like offers like, "You can kill my mother if that makes you feel yeah. better." <laughs> it's equivalent exchange. <laughs> Right. So she's just kind of like, oh, like, this is just a sad, terrible old man. He's not going to do any more harm, and he he will never, like, he will never recant or, like, realize what he did was wrong. Right, uh, like... But it's just, it it, it serves no purpose to drag this out. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically, then she and Zuko fly back home, and she sits sadly on a pier, and Aang talks to her, and he's like, I'm proud of you. You didn't kill him. And Aang's like, or Katara's kind of like, yeah, but I still can't forgive him. Right. So um, that's like what we were talking about, it being like a nuanced take. Like, she doesn't forgive him, but she's merciful. Yeah. She realized that she doesn't have to kill him, but she also doesn't have to forgive him. Right. But it's kind of left ambiguous whether, like, eventually she will forgive him, like, she just needs time, because she immediately then says, but I'm willing to forgive you, Zuko, which, to me, is the weakest part of this episode and the weirdest part of this episode, which is that her, her getting to go on this revenge mission and then, and then being merciful to somebody, why does that change her opinion of what Zuko's done? Like, Zuko hasn't done anything to show that he's changed in this episode. I mean, he's helped her try to achieve a goal, you know, and I think... I mean, if you know, anything, I think being... the implication is that 
she is seeing a darker side of herself and recognizing that she can go to a dark place and that because of that she's more understanding of Zuko. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I mean, I I guess to me it's the fact that, you know, he he it, it I think I think his actions in this episode to Katara um, sort of show that he's able to empathize with her, you know, that he mm-hmm. understands how important, um, you know, closure around her mother is and how much her mother's death really affected her. And, right. you know, they both sort of realize in the end that that's not necessarily the healthiest way to deal with this. Um, but the fact that he was, I think, willing to support her in her mission to find this closure um do you think that this episode adds to zutara-ness is it oh yeah is it a 100%. episode yeah there's a very it's very pro zutara absolutely uh i mean like if you're following the the pattern of jet you know this is a version of jet who actually respects her boundaries of what isn't isn't yeah. appropriate justice so right like the perfect package essentially <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so so this this episode ends on like a an interesting note because um, it it pivots away from Katara and back to Aang, yeah. um, where you know Aang sort of gives the the moral you know like violence is never the answer, um, and then Zuko's kind of like okay, but then what are you gonna do about my dad? Because like yeah. violence might be the hanging. answer there. Yeah, And a lot of people, you know, argue that this theme was kind of shoehorned in, you know, at the end, but I I don't think it is. I mean, even as early as, like, the Avatar State episode, like the season two opener, there's been a a grappling with the idea of even killing soldiers as, like, how justified is it? Um, Mm -hmm. And his guilt at having, like, killed, I'm assuming, a bunch of uh, Fire Nation navy officers uh on boats in at the north pole uh he's been grappling with this and i think you know this is a good enough place to reintroduce it and it makes sense for both of their characters and the stakes are higher now obviously yep um but we're, we're gonna leave all the the serious stuff there for now we're gonna take a fun little tour into the ember island players y'all (laughs) and get a fun little recap episode right before the end. Yeah. Um, Um, We can cut this if you want, but I also want to bring up that this is the first mention of uh, the the, the awful mother figure uh, mentions tomato carrots, which is, I think, the first time that we've ever had a fusion vegetable instead of a fusion animal. That's true. So feel free to cut that. I like it, though. Because it's very pointless of an observation. No! (laughs) I like it. It's very important. The whole analysis <laughs> would be ruined without it. Um, so, all right, yeah. Ember Island players. So basically, the gang is hiding out on Ember Island, um, and Saka finds a poster for a play that's about them, and you know makes the comment, "This is the kind of wacky, time wasting nonsense I missed." Yeah. Let's let's do some more of this. Let's have a filler episode. Yeah, I love the the list of sources for the playwright of this play <laughs> about the Avatar and his friends. Uh, yeah. He talked to singing nomads, pirates, prisoners of war, and a very knowledgeable cabbage merchant. <laughs> right. It's just, like, so funny to me because, 
Like, it is fairly accurate. Like, they get some right. details some key about details things. details that it seems, it seems odd that anyone would know this. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, basically, one by one, everyone comes out on stage and everyone reacts kind of poorly to how they're being portrayed, you know? Saka doesn't think that his uh, actor's jokes are funny enough. Um, Katara doesn't think that, you know, she gives that many sappy sort of hope speeches. Right. <laughs> and Aang's just mad that he's played by a girl who's like, I'm a Peter Panish prankster. He's just basically cringing at, like, how kid-friendly this version of him is. It, right. It kind of makes me think, like... You know, because she's supposed to be like Peter Pan kind of woman playing a young boy uh, character flying around, being silly, having animal friends. Um, Right. (laughs) And it it just makes me think like, yeah, Aang has like grown and changed a lot because he was kind of like this in the first season. But now he's so much more serious and wise. But now he's like cringing at his his youthful persona. Totally. (laughs) Um, yeah, so Toph is just, like, loving it. She's loving everyone's goofy portrayals throughout this. this is how she sees her friends as well. (laughs) Right. Um. It's like a roast. And, uh, you know, it is. It's basically, that's the great thing about this. It's the show roasting itself, basically. Um, and using it as a moment for the characters to reflect on their growth and their journey and to, uh you know, push certain elements of their character right. a little bit. All of the um, scenes with Iroh in them are about him, like, loving food and... Yeah. <laughs> Let me get this slice of cake! <laughs> How can you think about cake when I have to find the Avatar? Right. So, yeah, Zuko's super honor-obsessed and, yeah. you know, just really rude to Iroh, and he's just cringing at everything about that. Yeah. Um, you know, as I love a proper the little teenager joke. should. I love the little joke that the Fire Nation still doesn't know that Zuko was the Blue Spirit. So I know! <laughs> the Blue Spirit is a totally separate character. Uh, who just, like, I rescues I the Blue Aang. Spirit Scourge of the Fire Nation. <laughs> and we'll be best friends forever. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, they parody the Great Divide episode where instead of having any kind of recap of it, they just fly over it and Which, as you remember, pretend I, it didn't happen. I defended the Great Divide significantly uh, in, in this recap. That it's, it's not that bad. It's, you know, it's a really passable filler episode on par with all the other great filler episodes of, uh, of the show. But, you know, right. I get that the fans reacted negatively to it and this is sort of looking at that. Right. Um, so, you know, Sokka gets, like, actually sad watching the UA moon kiss yeah. at the end, um, and Suki's, like, a little mad about it. Right. Um, I like that he he's never mentioned to her that he dated UA. Like... I think he did. It's still, like, a sensitive... No, no she did. says, you never told me you kissed the moon spirit. Oh. No, but he talked about, uh, losing her, With Zuka. um... No, he talked about it with Suki during when they're oh, crossing right, but the I don't think he mentions the Serpent's Pass or whatever. Right, he doesn't mention that it's the moon spirit. He just says there was yeah. this girl at the North Pole. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the moon is right there, we made a joke about. <laughs> She's watching. Right. 
um, yeah, but yeah so, so, so basically there's like a little intermission right. after each act of the play. Um, and right. you know, the Which gang is good for sort structuring of dis- an episode. Yes. Yes. And, and the gang sort of discusses everything. Um, and then comes back and, you know, of course the beginning of act two starts with Toph's character being introduced and it turns out it's this huge buff man who sees using sonic screaming. It's really <laughs> the one of the funniest bits in the whole show. It is. It's... And everyone's just looking at Toph like, oh shit, she's gonna hate this. And she's like, no, yeah, that's entirely accurate. This it's is just the best. A great, it's just a great adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> I release a sonic wave from my mouth. <laughs> Just like an earth-shattering <laughs> scream, and then there, got a pretty good look at you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, I um, it. You know, they continue to recap some stuff. Uh, Jet comes back and uh, gets crushed by a rock, and right. they make a joke about Jet's the- <laughs> death being unclear. <laughs> I love the first scene with Jet where he's like, don't worry, baby, I'll wipe out that nasty town for you. <laughs> and then Katara's just like, oh, Jet, you're so bad. You fill me with so much hope. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad parody. It's better than most of, yeah. like, actual people making parodies on, like, the internet do. Honestly, um... And so then they uh, they get to the the season two finale, um, and Aang goes into the Avatar state, or or the actor does, and yells Avatar state, yep yep, uh, which we we mentioned earlier. Right. <laughs> I think I think a, a lot of the really like iconic things that get taken out of this episode, because this episode forms like a lot of the interactions I see online between fans of the show. Because it just kind of sums up the show better than any, like, meme yep. that we could write could. I think it really is the, <laughs> did Jet just die? You know, it was really unclear. Yeah. I think that's, it's, like, the it's... most referenced, like, moment in this episode. Probably. It's it's one of them. Um, I think the other one happens shortly after this, because there's, you know, another intermission. So Sokka sneaks backstage to give... Um, give the actor some new jokes that he thinks are better. Uh, and then a kid runs past Zuko and goes, nice Zuko costume, but your scar's on the wrong side. Right. <laughs> it's not on the wrong side. I mean, it's it's exactly how, you know, cosplayers deal with each other. Yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, like the, the idea of uh, reality and fiction right. um, conflicting. Yeah. Um, uh, there's the scene where, you know, Zuko and, and Katara are in the cave, and it's portrayed as way more romantic than it even was in the actual show. Right. Um, where she's like, I only like Aang as a brother, right. but you, you're so steamy, he'll never find out about this. Right, and then they <laughs> rub cheeks. Cheeks, yeah. But, but so this prompts Aang to get, just get, like, actually defensive. Um, and then during that intermission, he confronts Katara and is kind of like, Hey, so I kissed you earlier, so why aren't you my girlfriend now? Right. And she's just kind of like, um, because there's, like, a war and stuff <laughs> happening. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is kind of, like, an outlier since I think they kind of have been sort of crushing on each other since back in, like, season two. 
Right, but, but I, I think... It's weird how, like, it becomes overt just in that one scene in, in Day of Black Sun, and then it recedes into the background again, and then it's brought up just as, like, a, are we doing this? Right. I mean, I think it's sort of a lead-in to the finale, you know? They they want to... Pl- I think this episode really plays the love triangle stuff with Katara and Zuko up. Um, sure, but it's, it's not like it changes at all. It's not like the relationship between Aang and Katara changes at all in the next episode. No. It's just sort no. of... Okay, we need to wait until the conflict is done to do romance, which is a little, mm. little bit of a cop-out, I think. I, yeah, I don't know. It's But Aang, you know, doesn't like that, that answer and basically tries kissing her anyway, and she's right. like, yo, dude, respect my boundaries. Right, I mean, like, I think um, that's fine. I just, if you're going to do that, I think you need to do something to repair that relationship and strengthen it and mature yeah. it. Because right now it's yeah. just, like, a childlike thing. And if you're implying that this is, like your endgame ship that's going to last all the way until The Legend of Korra. Like, right. I think you need to develop it in the finale more than just, you know, doing a finale kiss. <laughs> that's what the comics are for, David. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love the comics. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, they they continue into Act 3. They do the the invasion and all of that. Uh, and then, you know, Sokka's like, that's it, the play should be over, but it continues, because they need closure, um, and basically, of course, it's a Fire Nation play, it's Fire Nation propaganda, basically, so Zuko dies, Azula kills him, and then the Fire Lord kills Aang, and it's a very beautiful death scene in a sheet, um, and then they all, the, the audience cheers, and they leave, and they go, that... That play sucked. <laughs> but the effects were decent, which is also gets, the effects were decent, which yeah. also gets quoted a lot, uh, especially yeah. when referring to the movie, uh, the Last Airbender. It just it it. I mean, the effects in the Last Airbender, from what I've watched of the trailer, are not even that good. Um, and also, it it more sums up my feelings about Korra than anything else. You <laughs> right. know. Yeah, people Bad use show, it for that as well. but beautiful. I um, I'd like to make a pitch as to a line that we should use way more often in memes, because yeah. it's my favorite line in the episode, which is when Zuko is deciding whether to go with Azula or <laughs> or Iroh. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like, what are you going to choose, your nation or treachery? And Iroh goes, choose treachery. It's more fun. Uh, Azula just says... No way. And then he's like convinced by that just by saying yeah. no way. And he says, I hate you, Uncle. You smell and I hate you for all time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that uh, line. It's so funny. Um, yeah, but that's that's Avatar. Uh, and that's that's basically it before the finale, which we will yeah. get to next time. Um, so let's dive into the last little bit of Korra, also right before the end. Okay. Um, we'll kick uh, it so off with episode book four, 11. episode eleven, Kuvira's Gambit. Not much of a gambit, but we'll get no, there. No, it's yeah. Basic. This whole episode's a fucking mess. I. It's just I have so many question marks in my note sheet. Like <laughs> truly, I don't understand half the things that happen. Right. Basically, well, we, Kuvira yeah. gives a big speech and then she hugs Batar Junior. 
And she's like, we're gonna go attack them now. Right. She sort of decided that because she beat the Avatar in a fight while she was in the Avatar state uh, a couple episodes back, uh, that she basically has a full mandate to go conquer the the entire of the United Republic in the name of the Earth Kingdom. Or Empire, I should say. Well, you know, it was illegally ceded land. Right. Which, I mean, to be fair... Kind of. I mean, it's it's <laughs> colonialism, right? I mean, if the if the United Republic is supposed to be America, uh, it's entirely built on stolen land. The point that it's you know land divided up from the end of the Hundred Years' War by the Fire Lord and the the Avatar, Avatar. doesn't help matters. It seems like the Earth King was just kind of a weird guy who liked bears. Yeah. And felt really indebted to these people anyway. Right. Let's just give them land. It just seems a little too neat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have that much of a problem with it. I I think it's probably fine, but... Right, and isn't the, know, the United it, Republic there supposed some... to be built on colonies that the Fire Nation started? Isn't that, like, part of the comics? Is it? I truly... I don't know enough about the in comics. A, in any case, I think Kuvira has some claim to it, but, like... Obviously, it's not the right. It's not the right thing to do to. Uh, right, right. So basically, back in Republic City, everyone gets reunited. Uh, all Bolin brings back the the Beifongs, and then the president makes a mandatory evacuation announcement because Julie's like, the Kuvira is coming, um, and it's good. And then there's an awkward reunion between Varric and Julie. Uh, and there's just, like, plans to make these hummingbird robots work in time for the invasion to fight Kuvira's robots, and it's just gonna be a big robot war, I guess, which, that's why I watch Avatar, right? For the robots? I I think it's an interesting sort of contrast that, uh, in the first show, our heroes are a ragtag group of, you know, peasants and a dishonored prince with no you know, real claim to the throne at this point. Right. Um, and in this version, our heroes are like two CEOs of massively <laughs> successful robotics companies. <laughs> like, that's a little weird. And, and like the most privileged avatar in like avatar history. Sure. Uh, not also in avatar like history, but, princess. In, but certainly more privileged than, uh, than, than Aang was. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just it's the impossible task of making the establishment cool you know it like it just all starts to read as like weird propaganda um but anyway mako is apparently the one giving the evacuation order for some reason right i don't understand that (laughs) i don't know why but then Wu is like no i'll do it which makes even less sense even more confusing you're not even a citizen uh, no, yeah, he's a foreign fucking dignitary. That's like if the ambassador of Spain like te- sent everyone in America a text message and was like, "Leave your house, quick, get right. out of here." And, and also nuke. made a reference to how he's scared to use the bathroom by himself. Oh, right, it's it's just bad. Which but then everyone's like, "Wow, wow, Woo, you did such a good job of like calming everyone down." Yeah, and, like, you might actually make a good king. So like, we're setting up yeah. that he's going. You know, he's gonna. You know, like Cusco before him, yeah, he's going to retake the throne, but as a compassionate ruler, you know, a noble, yeah. a noble dictator. Um, 
Yeah, and then cops and hobos become friends as everyone flees the city. So the the Air family uh, decides to stay, um, though I guess Pema is kind of like leaving, maybe, or is like directing traffic. Right, she's going to help with the evacuation effort. Yeah. Um. Um. So then Cora and gang are like, we should disable the spirit weapon before it gets here. And they, like, have to argue about that for a minute for no reason. And then they go and do it. But then Kuvira's army, army has come a week early. Um, and we also find out that the the spirit gun is not just on, like, railroad tracks. It's um, it's on a giant robot. It's, it's, it's a, a giant robot with a laser story arm. It's a tall mecha suit. Yep, and it Made... obliterates a lookout post. Hold on, you were missing the most important aspect of the robot. It's okay, made yeah. of... Metal. Platinum. Platinum, yes. Well, the, the outside unbendable... is made of platinum. No, the joints are made of platinum and the outside is made... The whole robot part is made out of platinum. And they yeah. built this without anybody noticing. <laughs> without, you know... Julie finding out, I guess. Without... Right, and with no build-up to this either. Like, that's the problem with no one knowing about it, right. you know? Like, I was trying no to think stakes. of, like, where would you get that much platinum? And I thought I had, like, the realization, like, oh, it must be, like, made out of Zaufu. Because yeah. remember, they tear down the domes? Yeah. But those domes couldn't have been made out of platinum because people were bending them, right? To open yeah. and close them. Right. Well, but Zalfu, the reason it had so much metal was because it had access to, like, really mines. rich, like, mines. But how do you so, like, mine that's... platinum if you can't bend it? Like, the whole point is that, like, all their mining operations well, I mean, how were do probably you based mine on bending. Other, I, I don't know. I mean, isn't platinum about, it's like a refining process. It's no, it's not a type the mining. of metal. It's an element, isn't it? I mean, probably in reality, but from what the Avatar world would have you believe. I feel like they're like, it's so pure that there's no earth in it. It doesn't That's make any sense. Any metal can be exactly. pure. I know. None of it it's makes metal. any sense. It's fine. Anyway, it. it's all platinum, so you can't bend it. Um, <laughs> and the crazy robot is now our main enemy. I mean, I hate um, to just be like the nitpicker of suspension of disbelief but my belief is no longer suspended it's plummeted into the pits yeah, I, yeah. i'm frustrated by this robot but by, by the it's big fair. robot it's a bad it's a bad robot um but we see that kuvira uh controls it by like metal bending levers and stuff right um, yeah so there's metal controls and a glass top but it's really bad that it's made of platinum because it's a stone yeah. thing that can't be bent. I hate yeah. this. I hate it all. It's it's pretty dumb. Um. So. So yeah. Uh. Oh yeah. So Kuvira is bending it. Um. And you can see that her hair is starting to get a little bit messy, which means that she's, she's going, going a little bit crazy, uh, because that that's that's our signal that Azula goes crazy in the Avatar finale. That's an messy interesting hair. Yeah. Um. So it it just continues to get messier. 
so then basically Kuvira shows up and just starts laser blasting everything. Well, no, don't and they the immediately president. surrender and they, and they, yeah. do they, does she blast things before they surrender? She blasts like a bunch of ships and stuff. Oh, right. And yeah. then the, the president is like, okay, okay, I surrender. Don't break more of my stuff, please. And kill um, a bunch of people, I'm assuming. Yeah. Unless those yeah, ships were they're just still, empty. Right. We evacuated the ships. To, like, well, no, 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 because we see uh, some of the air nomads uh, rescuing people off of the ships. Oh, okay. Um, right. But, I mean, it's such a it's yeah. such a Man of Steel, you know, like, Hollywood kind of thing. With their, like, we're going to have all this destruction of, like, an urban space, but we're gonna, just going to pretend that everything has been evacuated. Uh, right, right, you know, and, and they, they're sort of like, there are still people here, but they're all in the train station, so right. don't worry about There's it. There's no death, there's just, like, a group of, like, 50 people in the train station. Right. Um, yeah, so basically, Team Avatar is like, okay, how are we gonna defeat this thing? No one knows what its weaknesses are. Julie didn't know about it, Bolin didn't know about it. Who knew about it? Ah, Batar knew about it, and he's right. on an airship. Going to get the president. Let's right, just kidnap him. But there's still time him. for another Milo fart joke while they're planning. Yes. I mean, there's always time for a Milo fart joke when you're... I'm, I'm disappointed in this show. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, but yeah, so they uh, they kidnap Batar and they're like, tell us how the robot works. Uh, meanwhile, the president's like, yo, where's that guy? Yeah, um, no, I imagine... Kuvira going like the 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 scene with uh, Elaine in Seinfeld, which is like, I've I've lost my fiance. Where is my fiance? I can't find my fiance. The poor baby. My fiance. And then Cora's just like, Well, maybe the dingo ate your baby. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so Cora's master plan is basically just like. She's like, listen, Batar, if you don't tell us how to fix this thing, I'll keep you from Kuvira forever. Right. I'll just run with you. I can't kill you because I am a moral character who does not kill prisoners of war. But I will run real fast <laughs> with you. With you. Yeah. Forever. And he's like, he's like, no, you can't. And so then he, like, talks to her and she, on the radio, and she tracks where the signal is coming from, I guess, somehow, sure, whatever. Mm. Um, and they find the warehouse, and then she just straight up fires the super weapon at it, and Batar is mm. like, a two brute? No. A two brute. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she also hits all the hummingbird robots that they were building in, like, a week. Yeah. It only took them, like, a week to build it. Uh, it's not that big a loss. I mean, there were a lot of them, though. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Lynn is like, oh, shit, I gotta go find the survivors. Because she was with the president on Air Terms Island. And that's where the episode ends. Right. And that brings us to episode 12, Days of the Colossus. Uh, which opens with Bolin lifting up a giant wall. And wow, everyone's okay. It's fine. No one was seriously injured or uh, or dead from that giant laser. Yep. So maybe this is not as good a giant laser as we all thought. You know, I'm just saying. I think it's interesting because we're going to be like comparing this to like Avatar, but like the amount of characters who are involved in this big plan to stop one person in one giant robot are massive. We have the Beifongs, all of Team Avatar, the Tenzin clan, 
Kai and Napoleon Dynamite airbender guy. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Varric and Julie, Julie and, you know, these prototype hummingbird mechs things. Right. The uh, president. Right. The president is involved. P- Pema and, and Prince Wu are involved evacuating the city. Right. It's like, it's a lot of people. Um, yeah. Compared to, compared to like you know Avatar is has just written most of its characters out by sending them down a tunnel to nowhere. Right, right, and like it does bring back old characters, but it does it it, it like smartly um, splits up the fighting across basically like three different fronts and kind of has three different points of action um, across its finale. Right, Korra so you know it doesn't necessarily have that. No, it's just all here in Republic City, one big front, basically. Um, right. I mean, we, we'll we'll split off and do individual things, but there's no, like, direction yeah. to the fight. It's just sort of a lot of stuff happening. So, like, Milo goes into a paint store and gets paint bombs, and then they yeah. throw paint bombs at the windows, which I thought was a great idea, because, like, who would ever think to put window washers on a giant robot 100 <laughs> feet in the sky? But Kavira thought of it, so <laughs> I guess I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, she's too smart for you, David. Right, um, but I, I was thinking she would have to, like, bust open the windows and it would create some added tension for her or something. But right, no, but no, it's just, it's has just window, like... <laughs> window washer spray. Yeah. So they, like, <laughs> tie up its legs while it's blinded and, like, Bolin lava bends underneath right. of it, which I Remember think should really have done more. Remember that really old movie, The Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, it's basically the Empire Shakes Back. Like, this whole attack on this giant robot feels like both A New Hope and the Empire Strikes Back. You know, like, they have to get inside the giant death machine with a death laser and take it out. And they're a scrappy group of, not rebels, but, you know, freedom fighters. Sure. Um, It's just... It's Um, like... it's The problem with it is that there's no... Like, all of these actions, nothing is happening with the characters. You know, like, in Avatar, we're going to see, like, culmination... That's not entirely true. Okay. What we've got is... (laughs) uh, Zuli, I think before all of this, maybe it was in the last episode and we missed it, but doesn't she, like, go up to Varric and is like... "Um, Yeah. I'm really sorry that I said mean things to be a double agent... Now you were supposed to apologize to me for treating me like a servant, but he is yeah. too self-centered to realize it just yet. And so we're, yeah. we're setting up romance. Yeah. Good, good, great romance between the two. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, the good, great romance is whatever, but the moments that the two of them are doing things where it's not about romance, I still enjoy and are my favorite parts of these episodes, okay. probably. Uh, yeah, speaking of, they're going and setting up a big EMP on a on a big radio yeah. tower. It's um, it's great and smart and effective, um, well, and does a good job of neutralizing all of the other robots. I'm going to nitpick okay. a little bit. Okay, sure. Like, first of all, like... The the EMP, I'm sure he could build, like, a giant EMP, and it would affect, like, a decently sized area. But, like, if the whole point is that this giant robot runs on spirit vine energy, and spirit vines are an incredibly unstable power source, doesn't hitting them with a huge blast of electrons going to destabilize them and blow them up? 
I don't know. We don't know how spirit vines work, David. It's like half magic. Right, but I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hit him with some lightning in the next episode. Yeah, and stuff is gonna it's happen. Fine. Doesn't matter. It's an EMP. It's not lightning. Lightning's different, David. Didn't Great. You know? Okay. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Don't worry about it. It's a giant robot with a spirit gun. It's fine. All right. Also, spend my uh, also, disbelief for just an just one more thing. Just another oh. grain of sand on my big pile of sand disbelief things. <laughs> um, great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, then Asami's dad shows up, because Lin right. gets him out of prison, I guess. Right, because we need another question... rich CEO who's also a racist. I know. Here's my question, though. <laughs> She's like, I got him out of jail. Does that mean all the other prisoners are just still in the jail in the city? I'm, ass- like... I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give them a benefit of the doubt and say that they were part of the groups that got evacuated already. You know? But, like, then why was Asami's dad still there? She stopped him at the train station. I don't know. Okay. It's, but she said she got him from the jail. This is what I'm just... Ugh. He was just hanging out at the There's jail. There's too many questions, and I don't like it. But basically, he gets a little redemption arc in this uh, episode, right. basically. Just looking where, so you know, incredibly Hayao Miyazaki that it hurts. Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and he's like... We have plasma saws for cutting platinum. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Great. But then Asami's like, oh, but it's too big. And he's like, yes, but what if we made it smaller? Brilliant. And (laughs) then it'll be like a metal mosquito, which is a hat on a hat, because it's already a dragonfly and a hummingbird. Right, and so there's now a dragonfly mosquito hummingbird. It's very Avatar, you know, a mixed animal. Dragonfly um, mosquito hummingbird hybrid. It's a drag... M- moss... I don't know. Bird humming... It's, it's a, a humming, humming drag squido. It's a humming drag squido. Great. That's what it is. Speaking of Avatar animals, out. there's also... Badger moles from the zoo. I can't with the badger moles in the zoo. One, it's a crime that those things are in a zoo. So there's just like that to begin with. That's number uh, one. Number two. Two, Wu charms them by just like singing weirdly just at sing them. Talking at them. Yeah, They're and not then like can, songs, like, you know. It's no, not like an improvised song. It's just sing talking. Right, but like you know. In in the um, the cave of two lovers, you right. know, it's like a funny that, song. It's a funny song, but also the badger moles like help them, but like not they're not like directed to help. They're not them, taking you know? commands. Yeah, like they're not like oh the people want me they're to not, do this thing, I'll do that. They're not they're communicating just like, oh, telepathically you... with the right. person. Which is what it seems like they're doing here with Wu, and I don't understand it. It makes no sense. Um, in any case, yeah, they love his singing. Does he? Has he ever sang? He never sang. He like did a little bit, but like not as like a real thing. It was always just like weird, annoying little. Yeah, it was like a couple of annoying little ditties like here and there. But but really, like search your memories. Did he? I really feel like he did. I think you just think that because he's like Cusco. I don't know. Leave it in the comments or tweet at us. If you could think of a single song that he sang before this episode and 
a scene of, of Mako telling him, I don't like your singing. I think he, they just made it up. I think they did. Did they just make it up? Maybe they did. Um, in other news, they're still attacking this robot, and they're doing plenty of stuff. I don't understand the they limitations of this so robot. They just do so much stuff. Like, I feel like this, these episodes, they just, like, have, like, ten different plans, because they'll, like, come up with a plan, and it'll fail, and they're like, okay, another plan. Do they count as and plans? Just, like, I think it's just, like, it's, it's just action. It's just people yeah. doing attacks on this thing. You know, it might as well be, you know, in some kind of anime where they just are, like, firing lasers, and it just cuts to, cuts back and forth between them firing lasers and somebody actually doing the plot part. Right, but, like, like part of the joy of, like, anime robot fights is that they move really gracefully and, like, can do cool shit. This one is just, like, a giant thing, you know? Like, it's not graceful, right. it's very clumsy, it just kind of, like, swats at people, which is, like, so boring to watch, right. <laughs> you know? It's just it's a like... big building swatting at, at little airbenders flying around it for... 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's, basically... It's not great to watch. Yeah. But Batar uh, is, like, on their side after um, Kuvira tries to kill him and, like, reconciles with his mom, I guess. But, you know, it's, like, weird and weak sauce, and he was still, like, the second in command of a fascist empire for a little bit there, so I don't know mm. what we're gonna do about that. Um... You know, so the the goal is they're trying to cut into this thing with the plasma saws, um, and they're finally able to cut a hole in it with Asami and her dad in one of the hummingbirds, but her dad is like, we can't cut the hole, and both survive, right. so I I'm mean, gonna weird eject shit with you, Asami. One, weird shit with this plan is that yeah. it's supposed to be like everybody else is like making a distraction so that they can do this. But that's not what happens at all. It's like no. everybody basically stops attacking the robot when uh, the the hummingbird carrying uh, Varric and Julie lands on them. And so they're just completely exposed. Uh, right. Their ship gets destroyed and they eject out. And then yeah. it's, it's uh, Hiroshi Sato and Asami Sato in the other one. Yeah. And they, like, land on the leg, which is, like, way more exposed. And so then Korra, like, brings this huge wave from the river and just freezes the entire robot in place. Right. So it's but like, okay, you could have done that earlier. Why I know, didn't you? it's so dumb. Um, but then, you know, the robot starts to break free and Kuvira starts yelling, I need more power! More power to the robot! Um, and she breaks free and uh, swats at uh, the 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 hummingbird thing right. that Asami and her dad are in, and her dad is like, "I'll finish cutting the hole, but you survive." And ejects Asami, and he right. gets smushed. But kind of makes the hole. you wonder, like, how important is the co-pilot in the first place? And like, yeah, you can't just eject both of you and just leave the switch for the plasma saw turned on. Right. Kind of makes you think, like, it's bad, bad design. Yeah. Um, but this um, robot, but also... like, I, I don't understand its limitations. So, like, a really hot saw can, like, cut through it like paper, but 
dropping a skyscraper on it does nothing. Like, literally, at one point, a bunch of earthbenders topple a building onto it. And it's yeah. just completely undamaged, unharmed. The glass well, doesn't even crack. Like <laughs> Again, Bolin puts an entire one of its feet in magma. Right, like, I don't understand how that does nothing. Or anything. And then, yeah. I, I, like, you can metal bend... You could metal bend it if the joints were made of metal, but the joints are made of platinum. But we know that the yeah. like the controls are made of earth, and the only thing in between you and the controls is a pane of glass. You're telling me that right. that's how bending works now, or maybe you have to like, be able to see it. I don't. I don't get it. I, My suspension of disbelief is kerfuzzled. Yeah, none of it makes any sense. Um, but they get into the robot. Uh, the gang plus Suyin and Lin, um, and that's that's basically where the uh, episode ends. We're in, and so we have one more episode of Cora left. Yeah. Thank um, fucking God. Right. Since we're kind of like closing out this, and we probably won't have time for it uh, uh, next episode, I want to uh, give some props to some of the voice acting talent in this season because I, I do genuinely think that it's really good. Uh, Kuvira is played by Zelda Williams, uh, Robin Williams' daughter. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, she was apparently a fan of the she show. She does a great job. She came on. Um, and, you know, so <laughs> a couple episodes back we talked about Serena Williams and now Zelda Williams. Uh, who's next? Zelda Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, Batar Jr., I just found his voice so recognizable. I mean, he's been in everything. He's like a veteran mm-hmm. Funimation guy, but you might know him oh, as yeah. uh, Genthru from Hunter Hunter or Death the Kid from Soul Eater or Hikaru from Oran High School Host Club. I mean, he's been around forever. Oh yeah, he's he's an anime staple. I also just realized this episode that Pema is played by Maria Bamford. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> right, because I realized because I was re-watching uh, Lady Dynamite, her Netflix show. No um, way. And yeah, it's that's Pema. It's Maria Bamford doing her best normal anime voice. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I um, have to wait, I can't find it. Did you look that one up? Is that real? Yeah, that's real. Oh my god. That's insane. I wouldn't lie to you. Wow, wow, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I don't... I think we've been great pretty talent. harsh on this season, but there's a lot of talent it's... going into it, and I think that's why we oh, feel absolutely. the ability to nitpick it, is because the animation is pretty much gorgeous throughout. I mean, it's not the best. It's not always clear what's happening, but there's some really impressive action shots. Uh, yeah, like, it's clearly... they. It's got budget, you know? Right. It's it's the budget factor. I don't know if, you know, there's a particular, you know, stylistic flair to it that you wouldn't see in other similar American-style anime, but uh, it's it's definitely worth watching just for the yeah. animation uh, right. that we're seeing. Like, watch Koro with the sound off. I don't know. Like, I guess <laughs> you'll miss out on some great voice in acting. Japanese oh, my subs? God. I don't know if it would be better, though. It's just... The problem is that just the writing is not there, which is, like, yeah. the biggest tragedy of this whole show. We're just um, not... Yeah, you know, there's that, no... 
there's nothing like it's not a, even that like you would expect character in a, in an episode like this um, where it is just we have to beat the giant robot. It's just right. it's not interesting what obstacles they're overcoming. It's just a no. big goofy robot that they have to punch until it stops punching. The stakes are right. that there are still some people stuck in a train station who might get hit with a laser beam. Other than that, the city's already destroyed. It's like, <laughs> what are we fighting right, for? Right, like, like I, would, I would compare it to the most recent Star Wars film with the climactic battle that happens there. Right. You know, where, you know, it's supposed to be this cool battle where everyone from the series is there and they're all fighting and, and doing uh, what they can and what have you. But the, it's just like, well, wait, why do I care that the horse people are here? Like, what? this is, means nothing. Right. You know, like, there's just no character or real motivation to back any of it up that, right. you know, makes these, makes us care about these stakes. Because, like, the yeah. stakes are certainly big here. I mean, but the Sami's dad died. I just, but it, right. who cares? But who cares? Like, whatever. She forgave him for being a racist being, and helping right. racist terrorists kill all the non-bend or kill all the benders. Right, like this almost feels like a backslide from what we were talking about with forgiveness um, in Avatar with <laughs> the Southern well, I mean, Raiders. Maybe he's changed, but we we only saw him literally in one scene where they play checkers or something in jail. Right, and they play checkers and they write each other some letters and like. You know, they he he helps them do this one thing, uh, you know, which he's like, like well, I want to protect my city, um, but you know, it's it's again that classic like death equals heroic redemption, right? Um, which you know, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. Right. I mean, we we also had another visit to a prison this season with Zahir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was not great either. No, it's, it's basically weird. just like go to prison and visit your prisoners, and that will make you a more well-rounded person. Because moral grays, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. It's it's not cohesive. Okay, but now um, we're in the robot. It's a big cliffhanger. Still, you should get excited for next episode, and we will tell you the thrilling conclusion of the Legend of Korra and the finale of Avatar. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. Uh, you can tweet at us right. at uh, at Talking Tropes if you want to uh, give us hints about uh, things that you liked, things that you didn't like, things that you disagree with us about uh, for the whole series. Um, yeah, we want to hear. We're your pretty thoughts. much there. Yeah, you can comment uh, wherever you found this this podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.